All right, I'm two jello shots in, everybody. Wow, you're not wasting mm. any time. I wish I could put my fist through the whole clouds of beef and toe. Hello and welcome to episode 43, that's actually episode 44, of Lousy Beautiful Town, where we like to scream about Star Wars and put our fists through things. I'm one of your hosts, Abby, and I'm joined by your beautiful, lovely, talented host, Jess. It's episode 43. Shut the fuck up, bitch. I know I'm the one who failed geometry in high school, but at least I can count. Anyway, we're also joined by a beautiful, lovely, talented guest, Danny. From wait, you failed geometry? I'm trying to introduce Danny from such pods <laughs> as Rogue Padron and Jelly Tarts in Bed. Wait, hang on. You failed geometry? Yes, I failed geometry. But that's the easiest of the math. No, it's the shapes. <laughs> I uh, was 14 and very depressed. So. Okay, fair. <laughs> is this a square? Yes, no. I why does I why does why? Why is the square? <laughs> I see a circle and I start crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Well, that's the episode. Thanks for coming, y'all. Um This is this is when I'm mad at you, I'm going to start sending you shapes. <laughs> no, no, don't give her flashbacks. <laughs> Fuck you, Abby. Here's a triangle. Oh, man. Triggered by proofs. <laughs> the transitive property. <laughs> no! <laughs> Son of a bitch. Man, now everybody's going to put shapes in our Discord chat. <laughs> I'm going to cry. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, this is actually Danny's second time on Lousy Beautiful Town. The first one doesn't count. The first one totally counts. I had so much fun. I know, but I didn't get to talk to Jess. No, uh-huh. I'm not embarrassed by it. I just, I've, I always wanted to be in your podcast, and I was worried that my only opportunity was going to be then when I didn't get no. to talk to Jess, too. So, like, no. this is an actual proper episode. Yes. Yes. That- you know. Where we're going to be serious and, and, and follow the agenda. <laughs> Is that what you call it? An agenda? <laughs> yes. Okay. The lousy, beautiful town agenda. Step one, take over the world. Step two, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do I need to be appropriate for you all for this episode? No. I think we should okay. legitimately record a fake appropriate episode. I think that'd be hilarious. <laughs> Instead of a whole fake podcast. <laughs> Just scrap this one. Start a new one. Call it Lousy Beautiful Town. <laughs> There's no Warren Buffett say. They will never know. Mm. Okay. So we haven't recorded in a hot second. So we got a lot of stuff that's happened. Um, I didn't realize that we haven't recorded since August. <laughs> Oops. Um, so we have a couple of things to cover that probably some of the other Star Wars podcasts you listen to have covered earlier and maybe better than us. But, oh, well, we're going to fucking talk about it anyway. None of this is Star Wars news. 
is is there actual Star Wars news that maybe I missed? This is just like depression cast. No, that's why the that's why the first bullet point under news is everything I mean, is bad does and I care hate right it. Now? Democracy is literally crumbling yeah. around us. Well, I guess yeah. there was a Mando trailer, but we can talk about that later. Um, okay, let's get sad for a hot second. Um, <laughs> Chadwick Boseman passed away on August 28th, and I don't think I've had a celebrity death hit me hard like it had with Carrie since Carrie. But there was something about Chadwick yeah. passing away that, like, ate at my soul. There was just a lot yeah. around that in general. Like, the fact that nobody knew. Yeah. <laughs> like, the weight loss that people bullied yeah. him on Instagram for that was fucking bullshit. The fact that he was, like, filming it throughout his illness. Like, yeah. I wrote a whole thing. I was super, super fucking, like, same. I was hit really hard by this, and I was like, it sucks. And it's so tragic that he felt he felt like he had to do all of this really important work as an actor. Mm-hmm. Like, knowing he might not still be around, but he had, like, a limited amount of time to, to make an impact. And that, like, the fact that, like, black media that's super mainstream is so scarce that he felt like yeah. he had to do that just breaks my heart. Yeah. yeah I think it hit, it, it definitely felt similar to the Carrie situation. I agree, Abby, that like it hit me the same way. And I think mm-hmm. part of it is just like, the it, it came completely out of the blue. Yeah. 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 We were just like living our lives yeah. and all of a sudden Chadwick Boseman is dead. And like, what, why, mm-hmm. what that? Oh, he's been fighting cancer for you. What? Mm-hmm. I think we were having game night. The night that he passed away, so it was like half. Really, we were, it was it was during the Rogue Padron live show, and people were talking about it in the chat. I was just like, I cannot, I cannot process this information. So we're done recording this episode because this yeah. just this will completely derail me. I totally forgot that. Yeah, we were watching Rogue Pod live. Yep. Jess yep. and I were being a fucking menace in your <laughs> chat. <laughs> Business as usual. Jess wanted Jess wanted to record our reactions to your live episode. I wish you had. <laughs> it, was a, it would have been a lot of work. <laughs> we would have had to ask for your audio to like run underneath quietly. It was going to yeah. be a whole thing. I was like, this was too much work. We're not doing too that. much work. We'll set that up again. someday. We'll, we'll do it for real sometime. Okay. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. Um, we want to get more sad, too. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away on Friday, on the 18th, uh, and everything is terrifying. Yeah, it's totally great how a single person dying can spell the literal collapse of our entire government <laughs> and the civil rights of millions, and mm-hmm. that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's fine. That's, a, fine that's a strong system when that happens, right? Yeah. We love... I love democracy. Um, quote unquote democracy. No, it's definitely not. Uh, no, Abby's just saying words. <laughs> Stop! I'm scared of the shape. Um, 
I had my uh, LGBTQ group yesterday, um, and I decided it was just going to be a chill process group because kind of all of us were going through it. Um, and it's it's kind of it's it's hard to watch a group of of like 13 to 18 year olds being terrified for their civil rights because one one justice passed away. Um, and so we had a long conversation where we just processed that and like, they're like, what, what do we do now? What can we do? And. Oh yeah, that'll solve it. (laughs) Because as we all saw today, like if, if Biden wins the election, then then it's done and we can all move on. Yep. There will be no resistance whatsoever. No. No. Oh yeah, that's right. Trump is like, no, there won't be a peaceful transition of power. Right. Like, LOL. Also, like, LOL at anyone that thought there was going to be. Right, like, right. <laughs> there is, like, there it, is no It occurred universe. to me this morning that there are people out there that think that there's going to be peaceful transfer of power, and I was like, what? That, no. That's a thing people still think? There's, there's no universe in which Trump exits the White House peacefully. No. Even if he wins a second term. Yes. At the end of his term in 2024, it will, he'll find, he'll try and find some way. 2024. I know. That just made me nauseous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a um, <laughs> resting passive SI face. Right. Yeah, like for the past month. Yeah. <laughs> Longer than that, but yes. <sighs> I don't know if it helps or makes it worse, but remember in 2016 when we all said 2020, and that felt like a million years away. Yeah. But also, I, like, my God, how much have we aged in those last four years? <laughs> Too much. I think I, I remember, like, right after, or actually right before the result of the 2016 okay. election, I was talking to my dad, who is, like, super leftist. Thank God. The only boomer we trust. Yes. Um, and he you know, it was like, I, he was very much like, Trump's not going to win, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, he's going to win. And I was like being super pessimistic. And I was like, what if we have a military coup because he won't go quietly? <laughs> like if he loses or something and he like tries to seize power. And now I'm like, what if we have a military coup because he doesn't go quietly mm. and tries to seize power again? Oh my God. There's so many, so many possibilities of horrific of a horrific nature. Yeah. <laughs> but we're not a politics podcast. No. So. I guess, yeah, like, get ready for a fight, everyone, is the message here. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this is the part where we put our fists through things. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's also part of, we did, like, five episodes entirely on political things. Oh, I'm not saying we're not a political podcast. You literally just said we're not a political podcast. <laughs> Those words just came out of your mouth. I've had four jello shots and had a glass of wine, so. What <laughs> are you, 19? <laughs> I love that Jess is having jello shots on a Wednesday night. Excuse me. <laughs> I'm having a fucking beer. In 2020 mood if there ever was one. Um. A cab always, but especially today, because no one was charged with the murder of Breonna Taylor, and that's some fucking bullshit. Even though I saw it coming. Yep. 
You need to have like a a little uh, sound effect that you plug in that's just like you singing that's some fucking bullshit. Yes. <laughs> With like a little jingle sound in the background. Yes, I will. I'll get Ash to like like reading rainbow. Yeah, I'll style. get Ash to like play me something and then I'll sing over it. There we yeah. go. Yeah, I feel like you could use that a yeah. lot. Oh. For example, in this situation. <laughs> that's some fucking bullshit. But yeah, um, go vote is apparently the answer to everything. Uh, I had a friend telling me to go vote to make sure I was registered to vote this morning. I was like, huh? Spotify, the music app. (laughs) (laughs) It cut out and I didn't know what you... (laughs) It's like uh, all all of our apps have gotten in on this. It's like Instagram is telling me to vote too. Like it's it's the app thing now. Is that like apps are telling Thank people you to corporate vote? Corporate conglomerate <laughs> okay. for telling me to vote. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, also, I've been fucking registered since <laughs> I was eighteen. So shut up, leave me alone. Okay, but double check because a lot of voter records were per at least in Wisconsin where I'm at a lot of vote like a quarter. Right right now we're sitting at twenty five percent less voters registered Holy at this point than shit. they were at this point in twenty sixteen because Republicans like purged the records and you have to like re register. So check check your no matter what state you're in. Yeah. It never hurts to triple check. Damn. Yep. Yeah. Okay, fuck that. Well, go check if you're registered to vote. We're going to be that person now. That's some fucking bullshit. Yeah, like, if you feel like you're getting mixed messages from this, like, don't not vote. (laughs) But also, that's, like, not going to solve this problem at this point. The system is broken. The system is broken. Yes. Like, voting in a system that's broken is not going to do anything different. Like, this shit was happening when Obama was in power, too. Yeah. It just was, you know, different different optics uh and not a fascist necessarily in power but you know mm-hmm. um yeah so it's been so long since we recorded that we have not talked about john boyega's gq article um oh my gosh that was back in on like september 2nd i think it came out um and so i know other pods have probably talked about this and done it better at this point but I don't know. We always we always yell at people for being shit to John Boyega. That's kind of part of our brand. So I felt like we had to do it again today. Yeah, I just find it interesting that neither Daisy Ridley nor Adam Driver have said anything. Mm-mm. But are we surprised? No. Has anyone? I don't think so. I don't. Even Has think. anyone from the cast besides him said anything about this? I don't think so. It's really disappointing. It, yeah. yeah, it is. I know, like. Most of them aren't really on social media anymore, but like you don't have to be on social media to be like, hey, let me put out a no, thing not, where. Not when you're a star of the Star Wars franchise. <laughs> you don't have to be on social media for it to get a message out there. Right. 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 I just, mm. Also, by the way, I am still registered to vote, so we are good. Thank you, Danny. If you if you've been in any Star Wars movie, you can like whisper something to your toilet, and the entirety <laughs> of Twitter will know about it in the hour. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um but am I surprised? No. So and I don't I don't think it was on purpose, but it was kinda sketchy that the GQ article came out and then the Star Wars Twitter was oh, yeah, like, I here, have that. a bunch of Mandalorian <laughs> pictures. This is literally thirty minutes later. <laughs> it was kinda like <laughs> ooh. 
Shiny Mandalorian right over here. <laughs> Look at it, it's Baby Yoda. Y'all love him, right? With how tight I have realized Disney is with their PR stuff, with this process of us trying to get an interview with somebody that's associated with Lucasfilm Disney yeah. right now, like, there's no way they didn't know this was dropping. Right. That day it was. Right. And they probably had access to all of the questions and the article itself, like, before yeah. it dropped, most likely. You know what? And, like... Fucking good on John Boyega for doing this because, like, seriously, there's there's gonna be other, well, hopefully, other Black Star Wars actors in the future, um, and him exposing the bullshit that Lucasfilm and Disney have put him through, hopefully, will give people the not the courage. I don't like that word, but like, I don't know, feel more confident. Okay. What was that? They'll feel safe. Yeah. They'll feel safe to say something. Thank you. That's what I wanted to say. Um, yeah. And like, aside from, well, when Ahmed Best talked about his experience in Star Wars, it had more to do with the fandom than like Lucasfilm. Um, so, I mean, John's really the first Star Wars cast member who's come out and been like, listen, Lucasfilm and Disney kind of suck. Yeah. It's it's interesting because it's stuff that we all kind of we knew and right. respected. Right. It's just confirming that this is exactly what we've been saying for how many years now, and exactly what so many fans, especially black fans, have been saying for so many years. It's like, yeah, all you racists trying to say that we were like gaslighting us into thinking we were like everything has to be about race or whatever mm-hmm. the line is. Well, and I think that it's it's a way to like make very plain that like. Yes, Disney or Lucasfilm, what, tweeted a black image with white text saying that Black Lives Matter, but, like, that it's it's clearly just performative. Mm-hmm. And oh, that we stand with yep. Jeff Boyega. And, like, yes, <laughs> yeah. Do you? <laughs> it's a hot mess. But so I think, but I think what the, was good about, the, I mean, there were a lot of good things, things that were good about this, but, but, like, on that note, I think that you know, I think there's a lot of, let's say, white fans who, like, can understand that, yes, there's maybe racism going on and can see Lucasfilm tweet Black Lives Matter and be like, oh, okay, they're doing something about it. Because there's just, like, not, like, because we don't live in this industry, we we are not fans, we're not stars of Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, but what does that actually mean to say that there's racism going on at the studio? What does that look like? And this is, like, mm-hmm. this made it very, very explicit. And, and like, I appreciate that. I hope that there are a lot of fans that read this and had their eyes open to like, oh, okay, I understand what it means. It's not just about like having black characters on the screen. There's so much more that goes into it than that. Yeah. Though we still get did get lots of folks being like, John should be grateful. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, it, it is very satisfying for John to confirm what we've all been saying for years and then also reiterate what we've been saying for year, for years. Because, um, like, he has one of the quotes that I liked was what I say to Disney is do not market a black character as important and then push them aside. Mm-hmm. We went in a whole in-depth thing about that in our uh, overall sequel trilogy thoughts. That was pretty much the majority of our conversation <laughs> revolving the Force <laughs> Awakens. <laughs> What did Daisy Ridley do recently that we were all kind of like, Ugh. she was, she had an interview with some somebody and they the interviewer asked it like 
does she like think about her privilege versus like mm-hmm. what John's experience is just, you know, going to film school and things like that. And she kind of was like, well, I've had it really hard, even though she's like, when she like, uh, not royalty, that's not the word I'm looking for. Uh, nobility, like distantly related or something like that. Something like that. Something like that. Anyway, she was basically like, I've had it really hard too. And John went to like a really good, like theater school or something like that. (laughs) It was just totally dismissive. And I I vividly remember people like being like Daisy apologists, just like, Oh, you know, like she was caught off guard with that question. Like it's not something she's ever had to think about because she's a white girl, like blah, blah, blah. Like, of course, like people make mistakes, but there was never any like follow up to that of her being like, what I misspoke and I am going to think like I've thought about what I said and I support my co-star and there's never been anything like that. No, <laughs> like, no. Mm. I think the most infuriating part of all of this was the massive amount of whoever came <laughs> out of the woodworks talking about whoever in quotes uh, who came out of the woodworks talking about like, why didn't he talk? Why didn't John Boyega talk about the treatment of Kelly Marie Tran? Like, why didn't he speak about her and about what she experienced? She was harassed and she experienced racism as well. Because I think there's a line in the article that's like, I am the only one that experienced racism explicitly, like, from the fandom, like, from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everybody was like, I don't like that. I mean, I don't remember. Hey, look over here, a shiny new Mando trailer. <laughs> <laughs> It's basically the exact same thing. Yeah. I don't, at least not that I remember, like, seeing mass amounts of people saying they were going to boycott The Last Jedi because there was an Asian character, as opposed to people, like, having hardcore, like, petitions and stuff like that to boycott The Force Awakens because they had a black stormtrooper. So. I feel like there was more backlash after yes. The Last Jedi. Yes, I agree. With, with Rose's character, and then Rose was just like, she was stupid and unnecessary and blah blah blah. And then there was racism involved in that too, but... Even if, like, and and it's, I think it's inarguably clear that she experienced racism, probably both in studio and out of studio. Like, that can be true, and like, that's 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 different from the experience that this black man, or the racism that this black man experienced. And, right. And you're just, it's a distraction. Like, we're talking about this right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Multiple things could be true. <laughs> yeah. Have you considered that both can be true? He was speaking, like, from his experience. Like, if he would have spoken for Kelly Mary Tran, he would have gotten backlash anyway. And that's just, that's internalized anti-blackness right there is, like, no matter what mm. he says or doesn't say, he's going to get criticized for it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's just the reality of you know being a black person that's in the public eye i think yeah it sucks and it also it made me feel really gross because i saw asian people tweeting things like that mm-hmm. <laughs> and it made me feel like there's this whole like yellow peril for black lives asians for black lives matter thing that's going on i feel like every time i see something that like oh you know there was another shooting 
there was, you know, like, you know, some kind of court situation was, you know, whatever, whatever is in the news, all of a sudden it's like, oh, buy this merch, Yellow Apparel for Black Lives, mm-hmm. this poster, Yellow Apparel for Black Lives. It's like, stop, Asian community, stop centering yourself in this conversation. Like, yes, like, Asians have been mistreated, especially, like, the, the, <laughs> Hmm, I'm not going to say things. <laughs> proximity to whiteness, the perceived proximity to whiteness has not saved us from the racism that many people have experienced at the beginning of the coronavirus epidemic. And it continues today. And it's, it's insidious in small ways, but it is nothing compared to being enslaved and brought to a country like against your will and then mm-hmm. being pushed down to the bottom of society by systems that have been put in place like after you came here you were already here and people built a government to keep you there right but yes that was like hundreds of years ago why can't we just move on <laughs> and the immigrant experience is extremely different from you know having your ancestors be slaves um, you know, so it just it drives me crazy when I see these Asian people being like, you know, what about us? Like we're, you know, we experience racism too. It's like, yeah, we do, but like, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats or whatever the phrase is. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> if, and the fact that so many people have made it into a transactional thing of like, well, like back in the day, like when you know the Asian community supported like Black Power, like we, you know, we got so many rights. Um, because of the black community and because of black activists, like we need to do something now. It's like, no, we should have been doing shit the entire time. Mm. Like, so it just, it brought up those feelings for me of the, well, what about Asians in the black lives matter conversation instead, instead of supporting this actor who is clearly like experienced very, like, this is painful. He's a Star Wars right. fan and he was let down in a massive way yeah. by this franchise and by the fandom. And to turn it around and make it about your community that does experience proximity to whiteness, unfortunately, <laughs> like there's, it's just, it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. It just pisses me off. And then to see white people and other people of color using the same thing because it's like, well, I saw an Asian person post it, so it's fine. Like, no. Like hiding, hiding their racism behind Kelly yeah. Marie Tran. Like, yeah. Yeah one of the most heartbreaking things was like, remember, have you, have you seen John's trailer reaction to the force awakens trailer? It is so so much joy. uh It is so beautiful. It makes me cry. I remember a couple of years ago, like I had went and watched it to like get some warm fuzzies and I scrolled down and the first comment on it was like, I've never seen star Wars, never really been interested in the franchise, but his, excitement and joy over getting to see himself in it has made me want to watch it and it just uh, it hurts it hurts because he got so fucked (laughs) i just think about like when yeah i i think about like how excited he was when jj was announced to be returning to do the yeah 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 And how he's just like, yeah, it's going to be great. Like, there were a couple interviews where he's like, you know, I'm excited or whatever. He was he was pumped. And then, like, by the time, like, they're, like, they started doing press for The Rise of Skywalker. And then the movie aired. It was just, like, deflated. Like, significantly. Yes. 
It was horrible. John deserves better. Yeah. John deserves better. Absolutely. And he's honestly, like, he's going to be fine. Yeah. Like, he's already getting involved in projects that he's going to actually be able to show his range and his talent and be able to have advocate for himself and have agency. And that's, you know, it sucks because us as fans, we will probably never get John Boy again in Star Wars again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Unless he's doing it. <laughs> like, he's like, I am directing this. I'm taking over. <laughs> Which, honestly, I would be fine with that. <laughs> I feel like it's really, like, naively optimistic to hope that, like, there will be changes within Lucasfilm based off of this. Mm. But at the very least, I hope that other film studios see this and are able to learn from this and or other um, black actors in Hollywood feel comfortable sharing their experiences because the more that we can hear about that, the more pressure there will be to change that. Yeah, I I have a hard time with that because I feel like it's another one of those things where the system is set up for black people and people of color to not be put in those positions. Mm-hmm. Like I mean it's part of the the like social and economic hierarchy that we have in this country also. Like if you don't have the money to do the internship, the free, you know, the unpaid internship to be like a very low paid, you know, assistant to the director, like how can you get in? How can you get those relationships? It's so it's so dependent on that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's like, a good point. It was risky for John to do this when he has made millions of dollars starring in the most famous yes. film franchise mm-hmm. in the universe. Like and it's still yeah. risky for him. Like so that just I mean, goes yeah. to show how hard it yeah. is further down the totem pole. Yeah. It, it's really going to take people giving up power mm. in Hollywood to make room for new talent and young people that don't wouldn't normally have these opportunities because they don't have the family or personal connections or the money or the time right. <laughs> to do that, to, to like, to, you know, start from the bottom or whatever. Or go even go to like a good like theater school in the UK or whatever the fuck Daisy really was talking about in that interview. Like that that's not an opportunity that a lot of people of color get to experience. So it is going to take like like active intentional decisions with people who are in power. And unfortunately, this is all wrapped up in money. And so there's board members who are like, well, I'm an old white man and I think this is going to sell better. And I'm totally out of touch with the youth of America or in the world. And so, you know, that's going to be something to overcome too. But that's why you got to support like independent, like, I hate to be that person, independent films where it's like, (laughs) (laughs) don't be a dick. Summer 2021, Lousy Beautiful Town Film Fest. Starring all sorts of movies from, quote unquote, movies from sad white boys who decided to make an indie film, um, and their favorite movie is Pulp Fiction. Oh, <laughs> Wait, that's what you'll be featuring at your film fest? <laughs> yes. It's an off-brand choice. Um, I will say, and then I'll stop talking, um, I feel like HBO is actually doing the work, kind of. They're at least they're getting there. I feel like with Watchmen and with Lovecraft Country, even though those shows are flawed for, you know, law enforcement purposes, and also there's a lot of writing in Lovecraft Country so far that includes um, intersex people and native people that maybe like 
the right like actual people from those communities were not taken into consideration when writing these things mm-hmm. but they're bringing in writers black writers black women writers to be involved in this process and it shows mm-hmm. and i mean the emmys just happened this sunday and watchmen like won a ton of emmys for good you know for good reasons like it was well written david lindelof yeah he was the showrunner but he used his power to hire people that knew what they were talking about and were able to speak to their experiences and then got out of the way that's how you do it Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's how you use your white privilege or however you want to put it your white the power that you have is like a white cis man in hollywood that's that's how you do it you pave the way and then you you make it so that so that people who no- wouldn't normally have an opportunity have that in a, in a studio like HBO. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's there's starting to be a model for it. We just, you know, it just needs to be we need to see it like in big blockbuster franchises like Marvel. And well, also coronavirus has kind of killed the, mm. the movie going experience. So I don't even know what that's going to look like, to be honest. Maybe we're just going to have to throw it away and redo everything. I think that's fine. <laughs> What was the thing today, the Wells Fargo executive who said that, like, did you two see this? No. I, the, the the Wells Fargo executive who was like, they hired a they hired a high position in Wells Fargo and they, they hired a white person for it. And like the guy tweeted that, like, we really tried to find a black candidate to fill this role, but we just oh. couldn't we just couldn't uh, find the talent. And it's just yeah. like we're we're battling against these people who not only are convinced that everyone including people of color have equal opportunities to succeed in the society and yet despite that the only qualified people happen to be white people and like cannot see that that correlation is like right there in front of their faces so infuriating and i'm sure they know like one black person and they're like this is my black friend (laughs) (laughs) this is what this individual is what success looks like for all black people Uh. in this in this industry <laughs> I, uh, there are a hundred examples of what it looks like for white people but if it's going to be a black person they need to look exactly like this mm-hmm. i saw yeah. a, a, somebody had retweeted it and said like um she she's a black woman she had applied to wells fargo for a job three times uh and then on the fourth time she unticked the box that said that she was black uh, and she got a, an inner and uh, the three previous times heard nothing. Um, and then on this fourth time, she got an interview in, within 48 hours. Oh, surely it's just a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have two last names. One of my last names looks very white. I have not been using it for this round of job applications. Mm-hmm. And I only have gotten like two interviews out of like 50 applications. There's probably like more to that, but still like, yeah. I'm Asian. That's like not even the same experience. <laughs> like, there's different stigma there. Right. There's mm-hmm. different stereotypes there. But still, it's like, oh, check the box. Yep. It sucks. It's it. Mm. Everything is bad, and I hate it. Bottom line: Don't hide your racism behind polymerate Tran. Yeah. <laughs> and this is bigger than individual action. I mean, that's a part of it, but also. But sucks too. I think, like Danny, to your point, like oh, like so the self awareness in terms of like what people think they know about like 
a black person's experience <laughs> or like mm. what's possible in this country is just like terrible. Mm-hmm. Like you said, like they just have no no concept of like what that means. And just think like, well, if it's possible for me, if it's possible for my my great grandfather came and lifted him, he was Irish and, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and uphill both ways against the wind, mm-hmm. like three miles to get to school. <laughs> if that's not oppression, I don't know what is. <laughs> I walked twenty four hours to school every day on one foot. My other foot was starting a business. <laughs> when I was nine years old, I was twenty five. <laughs> I understand depression. In my junior year of college, I pulled an all-nighter to write a 15-page paper, and I only got a B on it. Oh, Don't tell me I have a struggle. I know depression. I failed geometry in high school. (laughs) (laughs) Big math is out to get you, Abby. And now I have shape-related trauma. (laughs) Can you please talk to your therapist about it and report back and what that conversation is like? No! 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 Because fuck you! We're getting into my religious trauma right now, Jeff. We don't have time! That's not a good use of Abby's time and money. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. I apologize. Therapy is expensive. Therapy is expensive. Also, my prioritize what you want to talk about. Look, I know we're digging deep on this whole, like, religious trauma, but could we spend this session going off of an inside joke that came (laughs) up? last time I recorded my Star Wars podcast that doesn't really talk about Star Wars. I think she's forgotten that I do a Star Wars podcast. Because I do everything I can to not mention it. (laughs) Big mood. I would rather die than say I have a podcast. I had a teammate tell me that I was really good at public speaking Ooh. the other day because I gave a presentation and I was like, oh yeah, I have like some experience. Then I just stopped right there. I was like, I have some experience. That's it. <laughs> like, I'm not telling you I have a podcast because I don't want you to listen. At least I have a, I was on speech team in high school to back me up. The goal is just to have a different podcast that you can point people to as a distraction. <laughs> oh, you have a podcast? Yeah, it's called Encyclopedia. You haven't done it in a while. You should check it out. It's real good. <laughs> Danny, can we, can we add our names to that so we can use that? <laughs> With co-hosts Abby and Jeff. <laughs> hey, I was on it once. <laughs> I'm supposed to be on it. That's true. About who knows what now. Um, I have a fake Instagram that I give out to people. Do you really? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I'm, I'm always like, oh, I just never post. There's like really old pictures on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to make a fake Instagram that's just like the most obvious stock photos and see if people <laughs> notice. <laughs> My sister likes to stalk people. Like, <laughs> past partners and you know things like that and so she created like a fake instagram that's about writing and she has all these posts about like stock photos writing essays and like lettering and like bullet journal <laughs> <laughs> oh god it's genius if you ever need somebody stopped ask ask her she'd be more than happy to do it mm. and that's a service you can only find here folks <laughs> <laughs> your sister's very fun she has chickens. Yeah. She does. She also has a chicken account. Send chick pics. Yeah, she does. <laughs> Why didn't you start with that? <laughs> That's not her fake Instagram.
Instagram. That's the real one. <laughs> if you know someone who has a chicken account or a stalker account, you always lead with the chicken account. <laughs> That's just general courtesy. <laughs> was like more pertinent to the fake no. Instagram <laughs> versus that's fair a finstagram that's what they call it a fake Instagram is a finstagram what's a chicken Instagram a, a chinstagram nope. <laughs> no Ch- chicken no. Instagram <laughs> anyway mm, I was, the mm. conversation got foul <laughs> ah Oh my god. Ah! Danny, I forgot that you're into animals. <laughs> okay, you can't just say that. that doesn't sound <laughs> without context. <laughs> Come on, Jess. Sorry, the alcohol's kicking in. I was just thinking, like, I, know, I can't believe I didn't tell you about my sister's chicken Instagram. Yeah, you thank you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow her after this. Danny spends all of their time with animals. True. Doing who knows what. <laughs> Taking care of feeding them, and cleaning their enclosures. Oh, uh, if anyone happens to be able to go to the Field Museum in Chicago with Danny, 10 out of 10 would recommend because uh, in the bird section, we learned a lot about birds and it was really cool. Name one fact that you learned about birds I in the bird section. I don't remember. <laughs> Two. To be fair, I am inebriated. <laughs> I remember you doing bird calls for us. I think, I, yeah, I did do some owl calls, didn't I? Yeah, it was beautiful. Can you demonstrate? Oh, got to come to Chicago. That's a that's a Field Museum exclusive. Yeah, you got to come, come to, to Chicago. Chicago There's a pandemic. I tried to come to Chicago. She did. Oh, they were <laughs> you were that's supposed fair. to come in on my birthday. <laughs> We'll save the owl calls for the Patreon exclusive episode. <laughs> um. Okay. Should we Should we talk about her? That bitch. Her. Her. <laughs> Not the cool wooden playgrounds you used to play on. Not that her. This bitch. I'm sorry. What? You didn't see that tweet. There was a, a viral tweet going around of like, you know, like those old wooden playgrounds that people used to play on. They look like castles. Yeah, splinters, yeah. Like, all the time. Yeah. yeah. Somebody like tweeted that and was like, I miss her. Like with a capital <laughs> H. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that makes more yeah, sense. Yeah, and, and I had to. That one definitely required context. Sorry, I assumed y'all are extremely online too. <laughs> not for the past two weeks. Not since democracy has fallen. Oh, I'm jealous. <laughs> I am jealous. Um. Okay. So many moons ago, we recorded a fantastic Mando episode uh, with Ash, also of Rogue Padron, and we spent. I think I remember spending a chunk of time talking about how hot Gina Carano is. We retract all of our statements. Any positive thing we said about Gina Carano, we take it back. That bitch cannot crush me with her thighs. I do not let just anybody crush me with their thighs. And I'm not going to fucking let a transphobe do it. So fuck you, Gina Carano. Fuck off. Anyway, thanks for coming. <laughs> this has been an episode. <laughs> no, so Gina Carano. Yeah, she just went full rolling, didn't yeah, she? Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, she had already shown, like, I know she was liking and, like, retweeting stuff that was, like, Blue Lives Matter yeah. shit. She's a fucking bootlicker. It's the same progression every time. First, there's some likes, then there's some subtle comments, then someone confronts you about it, and you just dig mm-hmm. your heels in. And then you change your profile on Twitter to be an asshole. Yep. And, and then you're just fully out there as a transphobe. And block a bunch of people who are calling you out. Including Star Wars podcasts yep. with like 200 followers. Yep. <laughs> so are you blocked personally, Jess? No, but I didn't engage with her. I was just kind of like subtweeting oh. or retweeting stuff. So, oh. well, I am yeah. personally blocked. Blah, blah 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 blah. Personally blocked by Gita Carano, and I got the podcast blocked by Gita. And you should wear that like a badge of honor. Yeah. I'm ashamed that I'm also not blocked by Gita Carano. <laughs> it is a fine addition to the collection of Star Wars people who do not like me. <laughs> <laughs> she can go right up there with John Caston. <laughs> the two white men that don't like you, Chuck Wendig and John oh, Caston. Oh, yeah, I forgot Chuck Wendig doesn't like me either. That's a great group of people right there. I would love to be in a room with them. Good lord. Uh, I remember one time Chuck Wendig got into an argument with me because he said that, like, we should get rid of self checkout lanes because they were taking jobs from people in grocery stores. <laughs> And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And that's not the thing that led him to blocking me, but it was still it was still a grand old time. <laughs> wow. Yep. We have good times with Star Wars Twitter. <laughs> hey, you gotta you gotta work hard to be on the Lucasfilm Limited blacklist. It's true, it's pretty exclusive. <laughs> exclusive to three people. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Gina Carano is a piece of shit. Most of us are blocked by her now. You have the audacity to tell her to listen to voices that actually experience being misgendered (laughs) and Mm. everything associated with that, you know. Danny, I feel like you have something to say about this. (laughs) I mean, yeah. So for those that don't know, she she changed her profile name to be Gina Carano, pronouns beep, bloop, bop. Yeah. Which is just the stupidest thing, first of all. Um, But, like, it was after people were, like, actively telling her, hey, this is harmful. And she was like, no, we're just having a good time. My pronouns are beep, bloop, bloop. Who cares? Mm-hmm. And, like, Gina, Gina, I know you're listening. Because <laughs> I'm sure you haven't turned it off after everything that came before. <laughs> the things that you're saying are actively harmful. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So I so I looked up some of the stuff. Okay, so I should say so if people don't know, because you can't tell, you might not be able to tell from my voice, but I have I have freshly shed my cisgender exoskeleton <laughs> and recently <laughs> embraced my true non-binary uh self it was it was a glorious thing um i'm fighting imposter syndrome every day oh what a mood uh yeah i'm sure every lgbt person in the universe can identify with that um yeah so get out jess Abby, abby abby she'll get everyone is at a different point in their journey i know I know. 
I, I appreciate the hard work you're doing on Jess. She'll get there eventually. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I hate everybody. <laughs> like, I shouldn't have to say, but I feel like I need to say that, like, I don't speak on behalf of every non-binary person. We're mm-hmm. all different. <laughs> but I feel like it's so easy, especially with, I feel like non-binary is one of those identities that people, even, like, super progressive people that are really accepting in general, like still haven't quite wrapped their brains around. And the reason mm-hmm. I know that is because I experience microaggressions from those people all the time. Mm. And we can talk about that. I will be honest. The gender binary has been the hardest thing for me to unlearn. It's hard for me. It's hard for everyone to unlearn. Like, <laughs> it's really, it's, it's something that is pervasive in everything it seems like. Yeah. And it's like, you have to actively think about things differently. Like From before you're time. born. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, yeah. that's the thing that I've had to accept is that I'm going to have to be unlearning that for the rest of my life. Because mm-hmm. I may use they and them pronouns and I might ask people in my life to use they them pronouns, but I still in my brain don't use they them pronouns for myself universally mm-hmm. or for a lot of other yeah. people in my life that use those pronouns. Like I'm still unlearning that for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Which sucks. Like, mm-hmm. what the hell? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I just, I wanted to say that, like, I don't speak on behalf of every single non-binary person. And I don't mm-hmm. claim to. And I feel like I'm probably going to say, like, ten more times as we're talking about this. Because it just feels like it, for some reason, it needs to be said. Because people who are not a part of a group tend to lump everyone in that group together. And assume that they all have the <laughs> same opinion. Yeah. Same way that John Boyega does not speak for every black person on the planet. Yes. Yes. God. So anyway, <laughs> I looked up some of these. I wanted to like have some actual statistics to share about why the things Gina Carano is saying is, is are damaging. So I just looked up some like basic statistics, and um, this is from the Trevor Project, which is like legit. Um, the number of youth um, defined by uh, kids eight to eighteen who attempted suicide in the past year, I believe this was 2018 when the study was done, was uh, overall it's 7%, which in and of itself is like alarmingly high. Mm-hmm. But then when you slap transgender onto there, it's four to- five times as much, 35%. Holy shit. Damn. Which is just like so alarming. Mm-hmm. And this study does not account for like skin color. I'm sure that, like, if we're looking at trans kids of color, the percentage is even higher than that. So, like, that sucks. Mm-hmm. Connected to that is that in the last 10 years, when they did the study in 2008, 0.7% of youth identified as transgender. In 2018, 1.8% of youth identified as transgender. So double. And I can hear, you know, the critics already are like, well, see, it's just a trend. People are just hopping on board the trend. No, it's because people understand it more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a trend. People don't hop on a trend when five times that many, when there's a five times as much percentage rate of, of suicide attempts, you know? Right. Right. Like, I don't hop on a trend because it's going to make my life miserable. <laughs> right. I want to be more oppressed. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> I I say that, yeah, there's a lot of white people that like to put labels on themselves yeah. so that they can feel more oppressed because they're like, I am so-and-so, I am oppressed. But it's not necessarily because they're part of a community that is actually oppressed. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. I'm oppressed because I ship people. <laughs> 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 I 
feel like me on this episode has just been unintelligible noises. But that might be the entire episode. Yeah. All we've talked about are infuriating things. Yeah. So take those statistics, though, though that 35 percent, the trans and non-binary youth who reported having their pronouns respected by all or most of the people in their lives. That suicide rate is in half. Mm-hmm. So down to only 12 percent. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that like that in and of itself should should speak volumes about like the importance of respecting people's pronouns and not treating it like a joke. Right. Yeah. It just drives me nuts that it's become like a oh let's own the libs joke. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm trying to think what's the name of I don't even want to bring this person into this conversation, but I'm, um, shit. <coughs> Kylie Jenner's dad. Uh, <laughs> what's, what's her? Oh, Caitlin. Caitlin. Caitlin, thank you. There's, there are, like, I'm thinking of, like, prominent trans figures in, like, on the, like, I guess the more conservative political side, where it's, like, I'm wondering, like, what conversations around this person looks like in households that don't respect community, like, trans and non-binary communities. Mm. Like, is there is there a respect there? Is there, like, oh, yeah, like, do what you want to do with your life, whatever, because, you know, we hold similar political views and we're both rich and it's fine. Or is it like, oh, you're a leftist or you're a liberal, so now it's it's a joke. Like, you're just hopping on a bandwagon. Mm. Like, I, I mean, I think there's a spectrum, right? And I hate to use that word because that word is used so much when talking about gender and sex, and it's really not even accurate, but that we can, whatever. Like, I think there's a spectrum. So, like, obviously there's, like, the cohort of people who, like, see someone, like, Caitlyn Jenner transition, and are like, well, that goes against science or whatever, and and we're going to keep calling her by her old name and using her old pronouns, whatever. Like they're bigots, they're hateful, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then you get into like the, what I would say the Gina Carano territory where like Gina has, is saying like, she's saying I accept trans people and I, and I love everyone equally mm. in the same breath that she's like doing things that are harmful to them. Right. So like, it's coming from a place of ignorance, not coming from a place of hate, which is why it's challenging. But the thing about Caitlyn Jenner is that she transitioned from being a man to being a woman. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that is that that's that experience is accepted by a lot of people because yeah. it's still like you know there's like that spectrum of well you're the gender you're born in that's it and then the next step is like okay there are two genders and you can go from one to the other and I can accept that and when it's and going past that is when you start experimenting beyond like the man or woman mm-hmm. I think a lot of people yeah. have a lot of well-meaning liberals have gotten to the point where they can accept like okay I can understand a man transitioning to a woman when transitioning to a man but I still, in my worldview, only understand he, she, man, woman. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's the world. There's the two. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's when you get beyond that, I think that, that that's where it gets even more challenging for a lot of people. Yeah. I've had, like, parents of non-binary kiddos, like, say, like, I'd understand it if they wanted to be a boy now and stuff like that. But I don't get this. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. And part of the thing is, like telling some of those parents is like, oh, you, okay, maybe you just don't need to get it, but you need to accept it either way. Like <laughs> the amount of times I've had to fight parents on using their, their child's pronouns <sighs> is insane. This is why parents don't like me. So 
Yeah, so let's talk about pronouns. Pronouns. Put your pronouns everywhere. Mm-hmm. Freaking wallpaper your bedroom with your pronouns. <laughs> I don't Put them everywhere. Put them in your Zoom name. Put them in your oh, Zoom name. That's a Put good them idea. in your email signature. Put them everywhere. Anytime you have a meeting, normalize that shit, please. Mm. Because yeah. every time that I want it to be known that my pronouns are they and them, for example, if, if I'm at work and we're in a meeting where we're, we're meeting with some people from outside of my, like everyone in my workplace knows their pronouns are they and them, and for the most part, they're pretty good about uh, recognizing that, which like is really actually, I'm really grateful. That's really awesome. That's a very rare experience for non-binary people in the workplace. So like, I'm really blessed in that sense. If we have a meeting with like some people from outside, like a training, for example, if we're all, if I want them to know that my pronouns are they them, if I want them to respect that, which like, I would like them to know that because if people who work with me in the training are going to refer to me, they're probably going to use them anyway. And so I'd like to just like let that be known right away, you know? But like, mm-hmm. if we're going around introducing ourselves, if everyone is just saying, hi, my name is Jan. Hi, my name is Joe. Hi, my name is Bob. And then it gets to me. Hi, my name is Danny. My pronouns are they and them. That's mm-hmm. a really isolating experience for me to have to be like, I am in telling you my pronouns because they're not what you would assume and they're different and I'm different. Right. Versus if it just is normal practice that no matter when we have a meeting, even if I'm in the room or not, yes, I'm the only person at our workplace who uses non-traditional pronouns. Even if I'm not there, it becomes normal if, hi, Jan, she, her, hi, I'm Bob, he, him, hi, I'm Danny, they, them, you know? Mm -hmm. It's so much less isolating if it's just like the normal practice. Yeah. And so I can't, like, you can't not, you you can't overuse your pronouns. Mm-hmm. And like, I, it feels, it feels awkward for people. Like I get that. It feels really awkward because it's not normal, but the more, like it feels 10 times more awkward for those of us that have to like isolate ourselves, you know? Right. Yeah. So right. just like normalize that shit. Anytime that you're introducing yourself, anytime you're using your name, throw your pronouns in there. It makes it easier for those of us that would like our non-traditional pronouns to be respected. It's that easy. It is. It doesn't have to be a whole thing. We've turned it into a whole thing. Gina Carano's turning it into a whole thing. It doesn't right. have to be a whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Right. I I tried to advocate in the past at work for us to be able to have our pronouns in our email signatures. And I get yelled at every single time I put them in my email signature because it is not the quote unquote like standard for their email signature. They're very particular. Yeah, how your email signature has to look. Um, and it's frustrating because like in, in my group, like that's how we start off every group when we do check in, you say your name, your pronouns, if you feel comfortable and ready doing so, and then check in on the scale. And then I do my fun question of the week and I'm like, yeah, put your pronouns in, in your email signatures. And I, I get in trouble every single time I do that. And it's fucking bullshit because companies just, they see it as unprofessional is what I've been told. Um, it wow. looks unprofessional uh, wow. if I have it in my email signature because it has to be unified across the company. And I'm like, okay, well then just make everybody put them in there. And they're like, we can't do that. Sure you can. It has to be uniform across the company. Is such a bullsh- bullshit excuse, first of all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, who cares? Again, mm-hmm. it, the whole point of having your pronouns in your email signature is that it's like in a in a totally harmless way because it's just there at the bottom of the email and like you either see it or you don't. Right. You know, I don't know. I, I, I think it's important to highlight a thing that you said, Abby, about if you're comfortable doing so too, because mm-hmm. 
it's there is a while where I knew that I was using they them pronouns and I wasn't comfortable sharing that with the world. So I but I didn't want to have he him pronouns either. So I just stopped having my pronouns in my profile and my email signature for a while. Mm-hmm. And like I think that's important that we recognize that there are some people that aren't ready to share what their pronouns are with the world and that's okay too. And so if I see someone that's not using their pronouns, my personal approach is to assume the best of them and just, you know, assume that mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on in their life. That said, cisgender allies this is a very easy thing for you to do. Mm-hmm. There's no harm that comes to you for using your pronouns whenever you possibly can. And again, the more you do it, the more you normalize it, the easier it is for the rest of us. I uh, had posted on like when all of this Gina stuff was going on, I was, I posted like, Hmm, some of y'all don't have your pronouns in your bio and you. And then another person had also had like reached out and was like, Hey, listen, Sometimes people don't have them because they're not ready yet. And I was like, ha ha, fuck. I didn't think of that because I'm a dumb sis. And was like, thank you for pointing that out to me. Uh, I should have made it clear that it's like, if you if you are sis and you don't have it in your bio, like your call out posts to Gina Carano's ring very hollow. It's It's hard. It's one of those things that it's like, the world is not ready for you, Danny. <laughs> like, Don't I know it? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm thinking, like, yeah, here in the U.S., like, it's still an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of places, especially, like, Asia specifically, just because that's what I know. Um, there is, like, a different understanding of gender. Mm. Um, like, very... Com- countries that are like highly religious and base a lot of their just societal norms on gender roles like i like there's like there's so many reasons why you wouldn't be comfortable mm-hmm. sharing that especially online um i <laughs> it's it's just, it's wild. I don't even know where I'm going with this, but I just, I, I want to make it clear that, like, the U.S. experience is very different from the international experience when it comes to gender and sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because, like, you're living in the U.S. doesn't mean that, like, maybe you have international family members and it's dangerous for you to come out as a non-binary person or a person that's on, you know, L- identifies as LGBTQ. Like, there's, there are, it's dangerous here for mm-hmm. certain communities, and it's, it, it can be even tenfold that in, in, in other international spaces. And so I think there's been a, I've seen a lot of conversation around like how US centric the online space is, like TikTok and, mm-hmm. and Twitter and Instagram. And I think like we as Americans need to be kind of aware of that too, that if, people don't feel comfortable sharing like their true pronouns, but they feel like they, they, you know, maybe they'll get to that point eventually. Like we need to respect that as well because there's other things going on outside of what we experience here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. For sure. I agree. The world's not, the world's never ready for me. Gender identity regardless. Um, well, you know, what, I mean, just to, just to give a little insight into what it's like to be non-binary in the world, like, I have something I've talked about in therapy a lot is that I have talked 
I have come to the understanding that like it's going to be the exception rather than the rule that some stranger is going to pronoun me correctly out in the wild, you know, mm-hmm. like, in fact, just yesterday, someone I was, I was, uh, in a checkout line and the cashier was talking to their manager about me and the, and they used she and her pronouns. And like that made me feel really good, which is silly because those aren't my pronouns. Yeah. But, like for me, that's as close as it's going to get to some stranger, like seeing me as my true identity. Like mm-hmm. no one is ever going to assume that I'm non-binary at the, at the best. They'll ask me what my pronouns are before assuming, and then I'll tell them. But like we just were not programmed to make that assumption, and that's a wild, it's a wild thing to like say out loud. <laughs> and a, and a, a, what a thing to fucking have to process in therapy too. <laughs> well, and the fact that you have to revolve your experience like around knowing that this is probably something that's not going to happen in your lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, like my parents really don't understand this at all. Mm. Like I'm in my thirties. I'm unlearning. God bless Gen Z. I hope that they do better, but like every generation I hope does better. But I, uh, I don't know. That's... I think I talked about this many moons ago on the pod about like the uh, assessment that, all providers in Illinois need to use if you are doing an assessment on a Medicaid or a managed Medicaid client. Um, There's a trauma section and it has a whole bunch of like boxes to tick off uh, in terms of like, do they have physical abuse trauma or emotional trauma? You know, stuff like that. Hmm. Um, What I've ended up. There's a, there's a millennial experience meme wrapped up in this somehow. Oh, (laughs) hundred (laughs) percent. Like, I check all the boxes. Thank you <laughs> Which trauma boxes do you check? <laughs> oh, God. Tag yourself. I'm emotional. With you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but triangle. Not, shut up. <laughs> Geometric trauma. <laughs> um, I, what I've ended up doing is putting, uh, well, because I work with kids, a lot of the times I end up putting it under, like, there's a witness to school or community violence one. Um, but like, yeah, (laughs) one of the things that like, I typically, you know, if, if my kiddo is expressing it to me that I'll put in a trauma section is their experiences of being trans and being bullied, of being non-binary and being bullied and not recognized. And, you know, any LGBTQ plus kiddo who expresses those kinds of things to me and like, are like, this has been traumatic. I'm like, cool. It's going in the trauma section. (laughs) Not cool that it's traumatic, but it's going in the trauma section. And I brought this up in meetings about what's called the I am cans. That's our assessment tool. Um, And being like, we need to start acknowledging that social injustice and and inequality are traumatic, are, are trauma experiences. And we need to have that reflected in our assessments. And like, they're like, "Mm, sure. Okay. Same thing when I'm like, y'all have to have a section where you can put like affirmed name, so that way when they these people are getting reminder calls, they're not getting their dead names because they have to have their dead names in the chart for insurance purposes. But what is 
I don't necessarily want to put your workplace on blast and we can edit oh, this no, out. Oh, no, please do. Like, what is, what is the, like, because it, are, are you employed to work specifically with LGBT kids or are you, like, actively fighting every day to be able to do that? Because it seems like your workplace isn't exactly super friendly to that mm-hmm. population in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is definitely the latter. <laughs> yeah. I, there, I'm one of two out people at work in my county um and i've been very like we're gonna fucking do this shit um especially when it came to the lgbtq group i had to fight not hard to run it but everybody was like oh my god that's such a great idea the thing that i had to fight really hard on was that there are no cishet kids allowed um, and was told, like, well, you can't just exclude somebody based on this. I'm like, well, we've had girls groups in the past where it's just girls. Like, mm-hmm. you, you have whole groups for different diagnoses, and if you don't have that diagnosis, you can't join that group. Like, why is this any different now? Um, especially, like, with the girls group. You allow a whole group just for girls, but you don't let me have an LGBTQ group where there are no cishet people in the room. Um, And that extended to interns and uh, newer employees. And like, I know, I know that there's the possibility that like, maybe they aren't cishet. It's just, it is very important to me to have that space for my kids where they don't have to put on you know, their mask for anybody, um, including in front of myself, like, cause that's just not fair. And they've, they've had so many groups and clubs and all of that, like GSA that's run by a straight person being like, I'm the world's best ally. And it's some mm-hmm. fucking bullshit. And they deserve to have, we, we deserve to have our safe spaces to have those kinds of conversations. Like we specifically talk about the trauma of being queer. And it sucks that that has to be a whole topic of conversation in my group. Um, but it, it being part of a marginalized group, no matter what it is, like is that's inherent trauma. <laughs> um. It's interesting that you say that because there was a conversation going around on book Twitter uh, a couple weeks ago. I hate that I just said book Twitter. But anyway, um, <laughs> there was um, someone tweeted out like that essentially like non out LGBTQ authors mm-hmm. like should expect interview conversations like around their i you know their sexual or just their you know their gender identity in general um like it because i guess like you know obviously there is the like fear or just i don't know there there is the possibility of an author that's not out yet mm-hmm. for whatever personal reason that is being outed because they're interviewed and they have to you know there's a community of readers that are upset because they feel like they're being, you know, misrepresented by this cishet person. And it's like, well, I have to justify what I wrote <laughs> because I have that experience. I just wasn't out or whatever. Um, I'm wondering, like, 
what is that like for you, both of you, to, like, peers, to, Abby, like, with your kids, like, mm-hmm. with your clients, like, how does, how does that inform your, your conversations and your, I don't know, I guess, like, the way you view people in your own community, or even people who are, like, adjacent or outside of your mm-hmm. community that you just don't know about yet? <laughs> Hmm. No, it's not it's not a weird question, it's a heavy one. Yeah. I'm just curious because like don't fucking make a joke, Abby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You already made it for us. Okay. It's tough. <laughs> like, especially when it comes like because you know, we've been talking about my group and using my group as an example. It it's hard when it comes to that because like I was saying, like that, you know, sometimes when we get new employees, they'll sit in on different groups to kind of get a feel of, you know, how groups are run and stuff like that. And I've been very adamant that my group is a closed group in terms of there are no other clinicians in that room but me. Um and like, even if I have to can't like if I'm not going to be there on a group day, like group is canceled, um, which we also used to do with our trauma group, like the person running it. If she was ever out, then that group was canceled for the day. Um, but Charles, why are you why are you growling? Charles. What are you doing? The full name. I know. Um. But it is hard because, like, I I don't want to have to, I don't ever want to make a, a coworker feel like they have to come out in order to sit in on my group. It's, so it's it's a double-edged sword of, like, I would never want to force, I would never want to out, like, force somebody to come out, especially at fucking work, um, yeah. in order to be able to shadow my group. But at the same time, I also, it's, I also have to protect the the safety and um, confidentiality of my kids. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, part of the reason, so, so it's been actually almost exactly a year since I came out at my work and I work at kind of a weird sort of culty nonprofit. So like, (laughs) like, that's the, that's the, uh, Danny and I live in that nonprofit life. (laughs) That's the forewarning here. But like we have our annual staff retreat where we go to a Girl Scout camp for a couple of days and like talk yes. about how awesome we are. Um, and like so at that retreat last year, I stood up in front of our my 70 co-workers and gave a speech that basically said, hello, it's me, Danny. Please use these pronouns <laughs> now. And here's why. And here's what that means. Um, and so like I I personally made that choice to make it like everyone's business in a way. Mm-hmm. And like part of that speech was me saying, if you hear a coworker mispronoun me, I would like you to correct them because mm-hmm. the only way you're all going to learn, because a lot of you have never used they them pronouns before, is to be corrected and to and to be caught when you make that mistake because it's so easy. Pronouns are so freaking ingrained in our language; it's so easy to to make that mistake. Right. And most of the time, when you're talking about me in the third person, I'm not going to be there. So I need the rest of you to have my back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I forgot what the question was, but the. <laughs> um but like part of in doing that is my hope that like my workplace had never had a non openly non-binary 
employee before. Mm-hmm. So like I had to blaze that trail a little bit, but my hope is that like n- knowing that I have the mental wherewithal to be mispronounced and to correct my coworkers and to like stand up for myself and like be able to coherently have conversations about what it means to have the gender identity that I do. Like part of my motivation was to hopefully make it so that if there are future other people that work there that are identified that way, it's easier for them to be able to come out. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm not sitting here saying like, Oh, I'm such a martyr. Cause I blaze this trail. <laughs> like I, I have a lot of privilege and, and a lot of um, support that allowed me to be able to do this. But like, my hope is that like that little bit of change that I'll have be able to make on this organization is that we, you know, we now have pronouns and gender identity in our HR profiles, you know, Damn. like people, everyone's, you know, I'll say like 75% of people have their pronouns in their email signatures. A lot of people have them in their zoom names. Like it's mm. like some of this shit is becoming normalized. And um, yeah, it'd be awesome if this, it didn't require an employee like identifying this way for organizations to do this. Because again, that needs to be normalized everywhere. That way someone can be comfortable coming out, you know, or more comfortable coming out. Um, but I guess like that's part of, part of, you know, I was, the main motivation was for me to feel like I, you know, I have to spend 40 hours a week in this place. Like I want right. to be able to be recognized and knowing that Morgan, the people of my organization could handle it. Like I knew that mm. the people well enough to know that, yes, they can handle this and they would want to to know this about me. Um, but hopefully a side effect is that it'll make it easier for other folks, whether they're currently working there or going to work there in the future. Yeah. That's my goal. It's, I don't know. Was that the question? I don't, I don't even think I know what was, the question was. It was part of that. And then also like, um, and just correct me if I'm wrong was like, um, uh, the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like the tightrope we have to walk of, um, being like you you should put your pronouns in your bio or sure. if if you are writing a book about the queer experience like you should expect questions about your sexuality um and folks not ready to come out yet i mean i think i i i, I don't know if there's any good answer <laughs> just cuz it is such a fine yeah, line to walk yeah. i think I think part personal, yeah, it is so individualized. Yeah, and I think I think part of it is you know something we can ingrained into what's being just called trauma informed, which is like the idea that everybody you meet has some form of trauma is not necessarily trauma informed in this case, but just like the general awareness that like this person could be exploring sexuality or gender identity and they're not ready to come out yet and being cognizant of that. Um, that doesn't mean that like doing that with like hateful people too. Like I hate the, the closeted conservative thing. Um, oh God. Yeah. That shit's nasty. But yeah, I think that's, um, I think, I think you can tell honestly. Yeah. And like, I don't, I don't mean to say that, like, get out your gaydar. Cause that's not a real thing. But like the, the people that like in the author situation, like the people that they choose to surround themselves with. Yeah. Like maybe they're on the brink of coming out. Maybe they're not. But like, if, if the people that are also reading their manuscript are also like adjacent to, or members of the queer community versus like, if every person reading a manuscript is a straight white cis man, mm-hmm. you know, 
Yeah. Even if that, like, because I think either way, like, like whether an author is queer or is not queer, like if they're writing queer characters, if they have the best of intentions, they're going to want fellow queer people mm-hmm. to read that manuscript and give their feedback. Right. Yeah. That like like I like I said at the top, I don't speak for every non-binary person. If I were to write a, <laughs> a memoir, or if I were to write a, a fiction book about a non-binary character, I would want other non-binary people to look at it outside of myself because I only mm. have one experience. Right. Especially in like the workplace, shit is scary. <laughs> yeah, totally. It, it, existing as a queer person in the workplace is scary, especially since our workplace rights were just guaranteed like a month and a half ago. <laughs> um. Hey, oh, 2020 is good for something. Yeah, so that was cool. Um, See how long those last. <laughs> yeah, so. But yeah, I mean, I think like Danny was saying, a big part of like me coming out at work was so that hopefully other folks feel comfortable in the future. Because um, right now it's it's little 25-year-old me the 25-year-old 20, super by Abby um, with, like, pride shit all over her office in addition to Star Wars and sloths. Um, and um, one of our other, one of our substance counselors who is, like, the fucking coolest butch lesbian I've ever met in my entire life. I've known her since I was a kid. Um, and I adore her. But, I mean... So, like, especially within it, within my profession, like, it makes a huge fucking difference for clients to have somebody who has similar experience. And that doesn't mean, like, if you aren't in recovery, you can't run a substance abuse group. That's not what I'm saying. It's But, like, I tend to get all of the queer kids for a reason. Because yeah. it's not just like I can I can sit there and be like I understand like no like legit I can understand. It's because when they walk into the building they sniff every door <laughs> and when they get to your door they're like, "Yep, this is the one." This, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> well, my my favorite was when we were still you know before pandemic was like my coworker who does all of the intakes. Like sometimes if I had a free moment and she was giving me a client, like she'd be like, "Can they come meet you for a second? Sure. And it's a queer kiddo and they walk into my office and they're like, yeah, this is going to be fine. <laughs> Cause I got like all my flags up, which Danny, I did order a non-binary flag after I remember you mentioning that I did not have nice. one in my office because it didn't come in the pack that I'd gotten, but it should be here soon. Um, nice. I guess it would be like a correlation for me. Like, knowing that somebody who is not an Asian American with an Asian American experience (laughs) 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 but like somebody who like doesn't share my racial identity wouldn't necessarily understand like what I'm going through Mm -hmm. like that's kind of a no brainer yeah (laughs) I don't know who put this in the notes whether it was Abby or whether it was Danny but gender inclusive language because I feel like this relates kind of to like what what we're talking about as far as like people being out versus people nece- not necessarily being ready to be out. I so I was just gonna say what I think an interesting so something that I've been challenging myself to do, and it kind of goes back to this conversation about like deprogramming this lifetime of being told that there are two genders, you know. Um, I'm only thinking this because Sarah just texted me. Um, mm-hmm. 
my wonderful partner who I'm going to brag about for a moment. Don't mind Yay. me, but she's the best and did not like miss a beat when I said, okay, they them pronouns now and like has never messed it up since. And mm-hmm. how lucky again, how freaking lucky am I? Anyway, she sent me a text in and talking about someone we don't know. And you say them pronouns for this person. So my mm-hmm. challenge for, for you and for your listeners is see how many times you assume a stranger's pronouns, like in a single day. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee it'll be less because it happens so often because we just don't think about it. But like, oh, he just cut me off, you know, when you're driving or like, oh, she, you know, you see someone who looks like what we think of as female or male and we automatically assign that that pronoun to them. Or like in my in an extremely specific dating case, uh, for the longest time, whenever I would be looking at birds, mm-hmm. I would I would always use he him pronouns for the birds. Oh, mm. look, he's jumping in that tree over there. Oh, he's going to the feeder now, you know, because we just like prescribe these pronouns. And, so and like think, and and going, like thinking about like if someone if I drove past someone and they don't like the way I'm driving nine times out of ten they're gonna say oh he just cut me off or oh he just did this he did that and again like we don't know people's pronouns and so like just thinking about it's really really hard to do especially in conversation because it's really hard to n- not use pronouns right. um, yeah. but I challenge you to like try it for a day and see how many times it comes up because I think. I know that I was definitely surprised just like it's every other minute of the day that I'm yeah. assuming pronouns that I don't actually know because I've never asked this person because I don't know them. Right. Yeah. You're not going to ask the dude or lady or whoever person that cut you off. Mm-hmm. Their pronouns are necessarily. Yep. <laughs> hey, hang on a sec. I want to curse you out, but I just want to make sure I'm using your pronouns. <laughs> hey, what are your pronouns? <laughs> Put them on your bumper sticker so we can curse you out correctly. <laughs> it's like that, that, that TikTok. It's like, hey, what's your name? Tony. <laughs> what's your name? And I don't remember what the other guy's name is. Like, but fuck you, Tony. And the only reason he asked was to say, fuck you, Tony. Fair. <laughs> yeah. Good times had by all. You know what's interesting that I just thought about? My dad genders cats as she mm-hmm. he always calls Hobbes she on accident he is a 75 year old man mind you <laughs> I just think that's very interesting we literally gender everything yep. I am kind of learning Arabic I'm going to eventually learn it more but I'm kind of learning just like the ba- like the alphabet and the basis of like how words are gendered because that's a thing in language, especially like I think of like Spanish and Italian specifically, just because that's what I know. And French, too. Words are gendered like. La vida, the life mm-hmm. is gendered as feminine, quote. It is pervasive, like in our language and that extends into our cultures. It's. And I feel like English because it doesn't necessarily have that, like, the the, wor- the word roots, and I don't know, I don't want to get it super linguistic, because Justin's <laughs> going to fucking, like, put me on the Hi, Justin. <laughs> Love you, Justin. I don't know if you listen to this podcast anymore. But anyway, like, I feel like as English speakers, we have the freedom to expand beyond that. Like, that's not something we're really bound by as English speakers. That's something that we can easily move past. It's true. And you know what right. I mean? Like it, it, in a language that is more gendered, like 
you know, Spanish, like any of any of the other romantic languages, honestly, and Arabic, as I'm learning, um, and that's that's directly tied to like how you speak. But right. in our language, that's not necessarily the case. So it should be easier for us. And I know there's other languages that languages that are like that too. Yeah, I have. I, I don't. I'll admit, I don't know much, but I always am fascinated when I hear about non-binary people whose native language is a language that is a gender-based language. Yeah. And, and hearing about kind of some of the workarounds that they do, and and yeah, like that's that's a that's that's a tall order to rewrite an entire language <laughs> to make it more gender inclusive. Right. right. And it ain't gonna happen anytime soon, unfortunately. I just think about how Latin X is like a huge controversial thing, yeah. like among Spanish speakers mm-hmm. and among people that come from Spanish speaking countries, because Latin X is like an American thing, like how we try to respectfully define people who identify as Latino or Latina or or Latin X, whatever, and people that come from not non-American, like non-U.S. Mm-hmm. Latin countries, like don't agree with that. And I'm wondering if that is a language issue. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Like we would have to get, we would have to talk to somebody who is directly like from that experience, I yeah. think, to understand that. But, but you may, you, you, make a good point that our like the English language lends to being able to easily switch pronouns so that you're using they them singular um, despite people being little shits and being like it's grammatically incorrect that's a really good point it's really easy for English yeah, yeah. it really is or even things like, I mean, I get on this, I get on this hill sometimes, but the ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, like yeah, you don't, you don't have to say that. Every time I see a legal document that refers to, you know, refers to people as he slash she. Uh-huh. Oh God. There, there's so many more easy and fun ways to just refer to everyone. Yeah. Like. Esteemed guests. Yeah. <laughs> I had a um, a vice president on a conference call say, hey, guys, and I mean that in a gender neutral way. Yes. I'm like, dude, like you got that wrong. This, <laughs> this is another this is another horse of mine. This is like this is the hardest of the battles that I mm-hmm. fight because like everyone thinks that you guys is gender neutral. But guess what? If I say a group of guys got together, you're not picturing a gender neutral group. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it just once again reinforces that like the male standard is like the norm. It's, yeah, it's like the 21st century version of using man as as gender neutral. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I remember somebody saying like if you think hey guys is gender neutral, swap out guys for gals or girls. Is it still mm-hmm. gender neutral? No, it's not to yeah. those people. That's one that I have been trying so fucking hard to work on because it's hard you guys is a very midwestern thing um like that's just how midwesterners tend to refer to a group of people um west coast too yeah and so i'm trying i am trying so hard to just constantly be using y'all um yep one because it's inclusive and two, <laughs> I sound like a cowboy. Um, <laughs> it's a win-win. <laughs> but I Abby, also, I think you mean you sound like a cow person. 
Thank you. Thank you. The problem with with gender neutral and cowboy is that cow person. I just picture like a cow wearing clothes. <laughs> Cows filling out their four hundred one k. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> like they're four hundred one cow. <laughs> But I've also gotten told that I'm being unprofessional by saying y'all in emails. Um, oh well. But I mean, then say you all. Like <laughs> that's that's professional. Like if you if you hate contractions, like you all is still gender neutral. Yeah, no, I know. But like it's like to my coworkers who like doesn't fucking matter. Like I don't have to sound super professional. anyway, that doesn't that's not the point. Well, yeah, well, I think I think what you need to do is point out every time that the people that call you out point out every other contraction that they use in their emails. So it's really unprofessional if you just say don't and can't in your emails. Yeah. I would like you to say do not and cannot, please. Oh, my God. Shit. <laughs> all this is so hard for me because all these things I feel like they feel like and even me like this is just internalized transphobia a little bit like mm. it, it all feels so pedantic. Like, I feel like. It's so pedantic for me to be, hey, instead of saying you guys say y'all, instead of saying boys and girls say friends, whatever. But, like, it's, it all comes back to those statistics. Like, it's all about, like, people and kids specifically being included. Yeah. And not, and seeing them, not, not having their identities erased. Yeah. Yeah. I think when the focus is on that, it's not, an issue Mm -hmm. but because the focus is on the people who feel like well whatever their view is like whether that's like oh this is you know the the jk rowlings of the world who are like (laughs) (laughs) biology that i don't i don't fully understand because that's not even what biology is actually about as far as like sex and things like that it's like um your 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 understanding and your view of the world as someone who is not a part of the community that you're discussing or in like offending or essentially harming by your language is that's why would you defer to your own own knowledge there there's like a, an element of self-awareness there it's like well i'm not a part of this community why would i understand what is happening here like that's i uh I can't even remember when this was, but like a, a few of us were having a, a, a group just chit chat night. Um, and we were talking about Gina Carano and Ash as, had, do. as, as one does, um, Ash had made a really good point about, cause like we, you know, got into also talking about JK Rowling, um, of like the different kinds of transphobia that occur between Gina Carano and JK Rowling. Um, where like J.K. Rowling is the the very much so like I'm using science and stuff like that and like genuinely believes in that and then mm-hmm. Gina Carano just doubling down to be an asshole because she doesn't want to admit she's wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, also she's using the in racial terms what we would call colorblind language, right? Right. Erases the experience of people that actually live in, within those marginalized groups. Which is just as harmful. Right. <laughs> That's a really so. good point. Beep blop bloop is basically just like the colorblind version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't care if you're purple, green, red. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't care yeah. if you use he or they or beep blop bloop. 
it's all the same to me. Yep. Nasty. Well, if it's all the same to you, just use fucking pronouns like, that are preferred. Like, it's that easy. But like you said, Abby, it's like because she doesn't want, she she's doubling down and doesn't want to admit that she's wrong. Mm-hmm. Also, she's just an idiot. <laughs> Can we talk about, so I remember, like, when we had Ash on, we talked about, like, how amazing it was that we had this woman that didn't fit typical, like, mm. like body size standards in Hollywood. She came from, like, you know, uh, uh, what the fuck is the name of it? A, a UFC. MMA. Like, thank you. <laughs> the fighting <laughs> thing. <laughs> she did the punchy punchy. And... It was really nice to see, like, a woman that didn't have this, like, that wasn't just, like, a thin, like, oh, I am a warrior and I'm a size zero type of situation. Mm. Like, it was really nice to see that. And it's just such a fucking letdown that this person is doing this. Yeah. And is being is dismissing the experience of so many people that Star Wars means so much to, I'm sure, not only, but also just beyond that. Just setting that standard as as somebody who's in the industry. Being somebody that could push for a change in language and mindset. Mm-hmm. And pushing back against that. It sucks, and we don't want you in Star Wars. So I hope that... We have a, uh, what's the name of the lady who is uh, the voice actor for Leia in Rebels? The- Doesn't uh, matter. She's gone now. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, bitch. Just, it's one of those situations where, like, a year ago, our greatest fear is, like, oh, no. The woman's not going to be in it very much, is she? And now it's like, okay, well, maybe Star Wars will do what they do best this season, and it'll actually be okay for once. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, narrative-wise, I don't necessarily want her to be killed off because that doesn't—that is not a good precedent either. But just write her out of the story. Like she just doesn't. Yeah. Just yeah. Fucking angry. Recast her. Just recast her. Just recast her. Seriously, I, I mean, they won't—they won't do that. But like, that would be the best thing to do. I feel like because it really does say like we stand behind the character. We don't stand behind the idiot stuff you just said. Yeah. 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 Imagine Disney doing that, though. And also, <laughs> sorry, Gina Carano, but Cara Dune would absolutely be wearing a mask during this pandemic and would absolutely yep. put her pronoun, her actual pronouns, not beep, blop, bloop, in her profile. Yep. We didn't even talk about the mask situation. Good lord. Oh, yeah, she's an yeah. anti-masker. She's a bootlicker. She's a transphobe. <laughs> I can't believe anti-masker is a... Welcome to the worst timeline. Ah! If you had said that to me this time last year, <laughs> I would have thought you were having a stroke. <laughs> I would have thought that you were like anti, you know, xenophobic, xenophobic, <laughs> anti-Asian. <laughs> oh God. What are uh, what are some of y'all's va- favorite uh, gender-neutral ways to address a crowd? Cowards. <laughs> 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 bootlickers. <laughs> What's up, you fucking bootlickers? <laughs> Hello, tankies. <laughs> uh, uh, fellow alcoholics. 
wow. I, I, okay, I ask because I like to use them in my group. I cannot use that one in my group, Jess. <laughs> it was relevant to today's recording. What? Whatever. I don't know. Okay. Shell shots. <laughs> oh, that's right. She did shell shots like a child. Excuse me. <laughs> like a child. I am. Excuse me. I am thirty. She says. I don't. I I delivered a baby today. What? <laughs> Green with with big ears. Oh my god. I Hold up. <laughs> I have so okay. many follow up questions. <laughs> I got my baby Yoda today. Why did you have to deliver him? <laughs> Why not? Oh my it's god. It's really unnecessary when he could just open the box and be like, okay, <laughs> it's here now. It was really funny because I have a group chat with like my girlfriends that I've had, you know, we've been friends for like 15 years. Everybody has kids except for like me and one other person. And we had a big long conversation about like, oh yeah. Like, I'm ready for baby number two, like, blah, 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 this baby's doing this and this and this. And then I posted that picture of me and Yoda, baby Yoda, on Instagram. <laughs> and I was like, oh, look who came today. And I was like, I was just jealous of all the conversation of children, but I don't actually want my own. So I have a, I have a toy. <laughs> toy child. Honestly, my favorite gender neutral terms for a group of people is, like, just play Mad Libs with it. Mm. Like adjective, adjective, noun, mm-hmm. plural noun. Hello, beautiful, vibrant bookcases. Looking around the room. <laughs> I love that. My stunning, spectacular owls. It's so wonderful to see you today. Owls. Mm. Um, you belong to beautiful townies. Yeah, townies. Yeah. Hey, there you go. Your your episode. Your your podcast name is literally that format. There we go. I know uh, Emma and I, when we when we do uh, Rosé Till Christmas Day, which we will be doing again this year, uh, but this time, more than double the queer Christmas movies. And we're very excited. There are that many out there? There are two new queer Christmas movies coming out that oh. we will be able to watch and uh, review on Rosé Till Christmas Day. And we're fucking stoked. I might actually watch a queer Christmas movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, or just a Christmas movie in general. <laughs> <laughs> but whenever when whenever we would record Rosé Till Christmas Day, we always tried to have um, like a, a gender neutral, like, hello, um, like addressing a group of people. Um, and one time I put, um, hey, flat earthers. And that is what we used. Yep. It's a good one. It's funny mm-hmm. because oh, I'm not going to explain the joke. <laughs> Honestly, for Project Tahiti, I just say, hey, everybody. Mm. <laughs> Welcome oh, back. Classic. Oh. It's, it's the basic. <laughs> the basic gender neutral greeting. Everybody. Literally, if you have a body. Everybody. <laughs> this one is a <laughs> welcome respected dignitaries <laughs> on our episode about Carol. <laughs> That's another good replacement for ladies and gentlemen. Respected dignitaries. Where did, like, I feel like ladies and gentlemen is very classist as well. Mm. Um, like not gender inclusive. Like 
There ain't no lady in here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had I had a teacher actually ask me once. She's, she said, uh, you know, I always use ladies and gentlemen for my students because I want them to feel like mature and grown up. And I was like, there's there's still so many other ways you, if you want. Like, first of all, yeah, there's probably some classism in there we need to examine. <laughs> but like, let's worry about that later. The immediate issue, we could probably find other ways to make kids feel mature that doesn't rely on the binary. Uh, yeah. The yike. Yeah. Highfalutin. Highfalutin. <laughs> highfalutin big spenders. There you go. There we go. Capitalist. <laughs> Capitalist monsters. <laughs> Hello, Antifa. <laughs> Jess. Sorry, Jess, we kept interrupting you because we're funny. We're very funny. We're funnier. I'm back. Sorry. Hold what on. the fuck? I wasn't even at... here. <laughs> oh, you missed it. Do, we need, do we need to say all our good jokes again, Jess? <laughs> yeah, what, what, I missed it. What did you say? <laughs> you fucking it was very funny. You had to be there. Yeah. I'll figure out when I when I edit it. So I wanted to look at the back of the box that my child came in because oh. I want to see what language they use. Oh, they do use his. Damn it. Fuck you, Star Wars. Yeah, can we talk about Star Wars for a second? Oh yeah, we yeah, should. And what are we on? Hour hour two now of the Star Wars podcast. <laughs> um So first of all, there are only to my knowledge, there are only two non binary characters in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be more. I haven't read every book. Sorry, nerds. Um, one of the non-binary characters, ironically, comes from the Aftermath trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the best thing to come out of that trilogy. I really like Elioti, the space pirate. Um, mm-hmm. The other one is in Last Shot by Dana Hosey yep. Boulder. Um, both of those characters are human. Yeah. Someone please explain to me why every alien species also adheres to a gender binary. Yeah. Yeah. In Star Wars. Yeah. I I feel like there's a colonization issue here. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, that's good. Okay, I can work with that. Maybe that speaks to who created Star Wars and why. <laughs> oh, George. Like, either every single species evolved to biological sexes, which is, like, statistically yeah. completely improbable, mm-hmm. and then projected that the biological sexes equate with the gender identity false narrative that we have, you know, so thoroughly ingrained in our society. Or, yeah, exactly that. Like, humans had this binary, and every other species just imitated it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except the huts. Except Although even the Huts, I feel like the Huts in New Canon are also, like, I don't know, in Legends universe, the Huts are hermaphroditic and, and mm. didn't give a shit about gender norms. I don't know. I don't know, because we have Mama the Hut. I don't know if that is. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> so I don't know if that's still upheld in the canon. But. Honestly, I don't think there's any other Huts other than, like, Zero or Jabba that are in the New Canon. Zero's definitely a non-binary hut. I don't. I don't care that zero. I mean, mm-hmm. non-binary people can use him pronouns, and zero is the case for that. Yeah. An example of that, I would say. I. I like that. I don't understand how fucking Waru <laughs> from the Crystal <laughs> Star has a gender and it's male. It's a 
slimy box. <laughs> it's a, Abby, it's a slimy box with toxic masculinity. <laughs> this is true. Running back to the one of two books I have read this year. <laughs> oh, you you read a second one. I did. I read. Uh, I read Red, White, and Royal Blue, and it was very Aww. gay, and I loved it. That's so nice. Very gay, and there is an Ewok reference. There is an Ewok reference. They flirt with Star Wars. One of the characters' favorite movie is Return of the Jedi. Um, there was a there was a smuggler in. Catalyst by James Lucino, whose first name was Haas, H A S. And Haas yeah. used he and him pronouns. But, like, in my brain, Haas is non binary as well because Haas just, like, fucks with English. <laughs> because anytime Haas did something, the statements was Haas has, or every time Haas had something, Haas has this, Haas has, and it's just mm-hmm. has, 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 has. And like it confused my brain the same way that I think for a lot of people, using they and them for a singular person confuses their brain. Mm. So that's that's my elaborate reason why has the smuggler is also non binary. There you go. I'm so upset that Chuck Wendig is somebody that created one of the non Binary you could have just you could have just left it at I'm so upset that Chuck Wendig. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a good ally because what? I wrote these people, and I gave uh, a gay character. Mm, shut the fuck up. And I included Race Lone. Mm-hmm. I didn't create her. The only Chuck we recognize in this house is my dog, Chuck. I was just going to ask, did you name your dog after Chuck Wendig? That's so sweet. Fuck <laughs> off. My dog's name is Charlie. He is named oh, after... Oh, Charlie Wendig. No, shut the fuck up. He is named after a Scottish prince. Leave me alone. Is that better or worse? Listen, uh... <laughs> Are we going to have a high Abbey uh, Patreon episode about Charles the Prince? Prince Chirla? No. I don't. I mean, what else is there to say except he's annoying and a baby? Like Charlie, my dog. (laughs) I'm going to say that's different. (laughs) Did you like High Thoughts with Abbey? I loved High Thoughts with Abby. I also loved the commentary I got while you were editing it. Oh my god, there was a two minute pause of silence. (laughs) That's what you can get if you become a patron. Honestly, I'm really proud of you to have such coherent thoughts about like the royal family of like Henry VIII. It's just because that's, like, the only coherent thoughts I have. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's any subject that I have just as many coherent thoughts about that I could do an entire, I think it was, like, an hour and 15 minutes mm. of conversation with myself. I don't think I have anything like that. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> or me. <laughs> Oh, I, you know what? I did want to say something. Despite medical racism and medical, like, fucking issues, 
you know, beyond what beyond medical oppression, essentially. Um, I have noticed, and I don't know if this is a California thing or like a Los Angeles thing, but I've noticed that doctor's offices have included in their intake forms gender you were assigned at birth, gender you identify with now. And I I'm excited about that. Sounds like an LA thing. Uh-huh. That is definitely <laughs> not the case out here in the good old Midwest. <laughs> I was hoping it was gonna be a third category that was like gender you someday aspire to be. <laughs> genders of the past, genders of the present, and genders that are yet to come. Genders yet to come. <laughs> No, that's definitely not the case out here. At least that I've experienced. I saw it in like an area of LA that I would not have expected to see it in. It was like very Asian. I know this sounds really like (laughs) bad and racist to me, but I just. (laughs) I mean, I do think that more and more places that have intake paperwork like that are trying to be more inclusive with their language we got a long way to go but like it is it is not uncommon at this point i would say for me to see multiple options on the check check one of these two boxes that represents your gender Mm. aside from other (laughs) yeah yeah which that is a whole um, that should not be an option other is othering (laughs) quite literally I will say that I work in OBGYN offices, so maybe that is something specific to these offices mm. because they need to know how to how to gender people that walk into their office, whether they have a vagina or not. I don't know. So maybe that's something specific for that specialty. Mm. You'd think that the mental health field would be up on it. Not... I mean, okay. I have I've seen it more i pretty positive when i did my intake paperwork with my therapist like there was you know like where you could put your pronouns and stuff like that um i know my psychiatrist had also asked about that um when doing my intake um but she also asked like what my sexuality was because that was part of the charting thing and i was like why does that whatever um <laughs> but um that matters for your medication, Abby. <laughs> Bisexual <laughs> take Lamictal, Sertraline, Adderall, Gabapentin. <laughs> All of the things. Um, the only thing I can think of why that would matter is if you were on like contraceptives of some sort, but honestly, that could be included in a conversation versus an intake form. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talk to your patient about what's going on in their life versus just yeah. like looking at a piece of paper. But, I don't know. But literally, none of our forms at work um, have that option. So it's fucking wild to me. Yep. 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 Why is mental health like this? Um, because it is dominated by white cis het folks hmm. with um typically in upper middle class background with higher education. The reason you think that you are a gender that does not actually exist is because you are envious of the penis that I have. <laughs> Get right out! I hate him! 
I hate him. Well, this was a really uplifting episode of Love and Beautiful Town. <laughs> your your trademark optimism really came through on this one, y'all. Listen, y'all started it with making fun of my trauma. So this is your fault. That's a good point. This is it's on us. <laughs> well, okay, well shut the f- no, I mean, does, does Pi Day make you upset? Yes. <laughs> no, why would Pi Day make me upset? That's not necessary. Well, I mean, like, there's Pi and Joe. Whatever. Anyway, Pi Day makes me very upset. Abby, do you want to wrap this up so I could A squared plus B squared equals B squared out of here? I messed it up. C squared. <laughs> A squared plus. Oh, no, I'm going to have A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Oh, my gosh, Abby. Good job. Sine over cosine. <laughs> Tangent. Yeah, you, no, you, you've got I, it. No, that's what I... I learned that in geometry. So that you could go to trig. I hate everything. Anyway, is there anything else <laughs> Star Wars related that we would like to discuss? No? Star Wars related? Any? I watched Rogue One the other day. It remains the best Star Wars oh film. Oh my gosh, you're so right. Of course. It does. Other than Lego, what's the Rogue One? Lego! Lego Star Wars! Jenny, I appreciate you tweeting out that you subscribe to the theory that The Rise of Skywalker is just going to be the exactly same film as it is live action. Just with Legos. Um. Anyway, Danny, we'll have you back on another episode where we can have chaos. I think we knew this was going to be a bit of a heavier episode, but I, w- I was glad we had you. Thanks. I was glad to be Yay. here. I don't know. Danny, where can people find you? <laughs> That's my fucking job! Oh my god, well then do it. I was trying to, and then you said something. It's your job to find me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Abby, that's weird. <laughs> anyway, Danny, where can friends find you? Friends only. <laughs> Open gates uh, to friends only. I hang out on the hellscape that is Twitter. <laughs> Danny Purtle 19 is my username. Last name is P as in potato. <laughs> I-R-T-L-E. 19 is the numbers one followed by a nine. <laughs> Uh, I'm on Rogue Podrin. You've probably heard of it referenced a time or two on this podcast. Never. We hate. Um, uh, I don't talk about it as much, but Jelly Tarts in Bed is our Dragon Prince podcast, which I would love to have more people hanging out over on that podcast. So if you are a fan of the Dragon Prince, or if you're not, and you need a, a nice, just like really pleasant animated show to get lost in for a little bit, I recommend That's it. That's on my list next since I just finished Shira last night. Danny, you have to let me know when you finish Shira. I will. I'm still in season four. I just watched. Uh, I, it feels like it slowed down a bit. I just watched an episode where the entire plot was Shira has to reboot a computer. <laughs> I, <laughs> so, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was. It was like the. It was like the first twenty minutes of recording this podcast, except Abby was Shira. <laughs> I was trying my best, okay? Uh, anyway, <laughs> you can find Lousy Beautiful Town on Twitter at LBTPod. <laughs> what? Space Jess, no, yeah, with Jess, Jess before us. We do the podcast plugs first, and then our personal plugs. Where? 
Where have you been this last year and a half? Uh, good question. Continue. I'm host of Lousy Beautiful Town. Thank you. I might have to kick Jess off. Hmm. Tonight on my game of are they depressed or high? <laughs> I'm thinking that depressed is the answer for tonight's episode. Are they having an existential crisis? Always <laughs> is the answer. Always. Oh my god. Anyway, before Jess so rudely interrupted me, you can find the pod on Twitter at LBTPod. You can send us an email at LousyBeautifulTownPod at gmail.com. I don't think we have any emails from folks right now. Um, But if you want, you're more than welcome to email us. And if you're like, talk about this on the pod, maybe we will. I don't know. We're not very good at following directions. Um, Let me... (laughs) Did we get any new reviews? Um, Why do we, as podcasters? Oh, never mind. I'll, I'll, I won't do a digression. <laughs> Please don't. Or just tell me, tell people where they can find me. I'll be right uh, back. Okay, <laughs> Jess is going to go pee. Aside from the bathroom, you can find Jess on Twitter at space Jess with four <laughs> S's in the Jess. What were you say, Danny? Why do we say all this shit at the end of a podcast? That's a really good question. Like, are the people listening really going to be like, oh, I didn't follow them on Twitter. I should do that. <laughs> That's a really good point. Also, if you, if you, after listening to this, followed Love's Beautiful Town on Twitter for the first time, you should let us know. Yeah. I'd be very curious. Yeah. Um, or me, for that matter. Specifically. Because I'm, like, a guest. Specifically Danny. Specifically also, Danny. Also, um... I opened our email just to double check, and uh, we have 69 unread messages. Nice. <gasps> we were. Uh, Do you have any five star reviews that you're contractually obligated no. to read? No one likes us. No. Except, and that one person gave us a one star review, but didn't say why. I hate when they Cowards. do that. Does Jess want us to keep talking until she's done peeing? Apparently. She has to tell Craig to go away. I don't know if it works the same if I do it. Is there an outro? Buzz uh, Beautiful Town, uh, Oh, yeah, like like y'all have like a coordinated outro? No, usually yeah. it's just fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> this has been. <laughs> this has been Lousy Beautiful Pod. That's not our podcast name. <laughs> this has been Lousy Beautiful Town. We have 69 unread messages. How are you going to have a celebratory oh episode 69 if you can never agree upon what each episode number That's actually is? That's a really is? great question. Jess, would you like to answer? Jessica? Um, Abigail? <laughs> Sitting back, eating popcorn, duck, yeah. I have no answer. Maybe we will just have to have two celebratory episodes. Yeah, here we go. Ah, more 69 for everyone. It's Schrodinger 69. (laughs) God. (laughs) Get Craig out of here. Do you know every person named Danny Pirtle? No, just this one, because he has at Danny Pirtle on Twitter, and I tweet about once a year to be like, dude, you haven't <laughs> tweeted since 2013, and all you just said then was like, this NASCAR rate is off the chain, so like... <laughs>
<laughs> I'd like this handle if you're not using it. Yeah, 16 tweets. Oh, wait, this is so funny. His his profile is at the bar drinking beer. <laughs> he has one follower. And like my favorite tweet of his, well, he he tweeted Gas Monkey Garage a couple times. And mm-hmm. then I, then he's got a tweet from the 5th of March 2013 that says, "Who wants to race dirt track?" What? <laughs> it's been retweeted twice both by Heasty Williams. <laughs> Okay. You know what? I this is like alternate reality, Danny. <laughs> Wait, there's an oh actual God. fear of shapes. Is there? I'm I'm afraid of holes. I know that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a legit thing. Oh. 